We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packer fans welcome back to an all-new episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl i'm overjoyed to be once again joined by the one and only ben fennel you can follow him on twitter at ben fennel underscore NFL, excuse me. Uh, it is great to be talking with Ben today. We actually had the opportunity to see each other at Lambeau Field for the first time last week. But uh, before we jump into all of that, Ben, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing well. Just finished a Thursday night game last night here in uh, Washington with uh, the Bears finally uh, coming off their losing streak. And now it's off to Pittsburgh for myself for Raven Steelers on Sunday. So the crazy train rolls on football to football. It's a, it's a great life. I wanted to ask you about that first because that was a crazy outcome that I don't think a lot of people expected. I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback drop back to pass without a single run attempt since what was it like the second quarter? That was an interesting game and certainly not an outcome that I was expecting. No. And I was talking to one of our spotters right after, as we were riding back to the hotel and he just said, I didn't see that coming. And I just think that's like the tagline for Thursday night is I didn't see that coming. And it's just such an unpredictable kind of event with the short week and teams trying to get, you know, healthy and patch their lineups midseason. And Thursday is the ultimate kind of equalizer. And I think road teams can come in and kind of steal victories like we saw last night. And if a team isn't ready to play on a short week, you come and get punched in the mouth in the first quarter. And before you know it, you're down multiple scores like the commanders were. And that's kind of all she wrote. And, you know, I think we say that to ourselves after these games if I didn't expect that, but you keep saying it on these Thursday games, you know, year after year and time after time. So it's kind of the formula and the recipe for Thursday, which makes it a live wire, makes it tough to predict for fantasy and betting and everything else. But that's why the NFL is great. It's so tough to get ahead of what's going to happen. Yeah. I was going to say for those of you in survival league, stay away from Thursday night football. I think uh, about a quarter of my survival league got nuked last night on picking Washington over Chicago. So stay away from those Thursday night games. But speaking of Thursday night football, uh, as mentioned, I uh, got the opportunity to see you last week at Lambeau Field. I know it was your second time at Lambeau. I know you were obviously uh, working, so didn't get to experience the joys of being inside the stadium in the stands. But uh, just your overall thoughts on uh, being back in Green Bay at Lambeau Field, working the game, and uh, just your your process there. Well, it's a lot of fun to be there in a working capacity. Obviously, I'm in the production trucks during the game, but the previous day is what's called set day in the TV world 
where the TV people essentially have access to an entire stadium to set up their stations and cameras and get it all kind of equipped. So while I don't have a lot of setup, it is nice to be able to walk on the field and see the stands and kind of be, uh, you know, unfettered just to uh, explore the hollowed grounds of Lambeau Field. And, you know, just the people there just so friendly and polite and was a cool sports moment for me as I've worked close to 100 stadiums, nine years of games on the road with ESPN College Football and CBS and Thursday night, haven't gotten to Lambeau, which obviously is a special place to me with my Packers allegiance, my mom growing up in Green Bay in the 60s. And obviously it's a sports mecca for anybody, but just a little bit sweeter for me with my football passion, my Packers passion. Uh, So it was nice to be able to check that off in a working capacity. I was there about five years ago for that Aaron Jones walk-off touchdown against Tampa Bay in overtime. So that was a fun game to see from the stands uh, and to see, you know, some people around the area and the community. So it's a, it's a great time. Not sure when I'll get back there, but um, was definitely a special moment for me. Worst case, probably draft 2025 would be my guess. So there there is a date on the calendar ahead. Hopefully we'll get back before then. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, you know, there's a couple things that, uh, you know, even though I, I go there in the press box and I've been there so many times, you know, starting when I was, you know, like nine years old or whatever. But the, when I when I go in, you know, when you go in from the, you know, like the security access to the press box, there's this walk that you make um, and it's outdoors and you're like taking this long walk up into, you know, finally get to an elevator and take your way up. But as you go through there, there's the, the one of the gates where everyone's going in. And every time I love just to stop there every single time and just know like there's somebody that's down there that's experiencing Lambeau Field for the first time and just yeah. walking in there and they're just overjoyed. And I love just pausing there for a minute every time I make that walk and just kind of watching people walk in because it allows me to not take that for granted. And it's it's, it's really hard to take for granted um, because it's such an amazing place. And I've been there for soccer games. I've been there for concerts. I've been there for everything. It's just, it's always amazing. Uh, but I always love doing that. And then at the end of the year, um, Cause you never know what's going to happen the following year. And maybe, you know, you don't end up with a credential or whatever the case may be. You never know. So at, at the end of the year, the last game, uh, I always take a moment to, to, I usually don't go on the field, but uh, I exit the press conference room, take a walk, you know, on the field and just, you know, be thankful that I get to cover that I've got the opportunity to cover the team and just again, experience that moment. It's usually bitter cold at that point, but yeah. uh, it's all worth it. It's, it's an amazing, amazing the second. It co- you know, it's taken away from you. You just, you know, reflect back on that time and, you know, these uh, historic stadiums and professional sports, they're kind of a dying breed. As much as these new, brand new, out-of-the-package, billion-dollar stadiums are really cool and new and, you know, technologically advanced, there's only so many Lambos and Madison Square Gardens and Soldier Fields left in professional sports. So I think they're special. Um, I really like doing the college circuit just because there's so much more history and tradition to those stadiums and campuses. Uh, but now into the NFL game. There's only so many of these, you know, historic stadiums left. So when you get there, embrace it, take it in and realize not everybody gets to experience it. So you have to absorb it and really appreciate it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, so speaking of that Thursday night football game, obviously we're over a week from the the, the time where the Packers lost on Thursday night football. Those like forever at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know it literally feels like a million years ago. Uh, a lot's happened since then. I, you know, you can touch certainly on that game and the in a little bit of a disappointing performance from Green Bay. But I more wanted to ask you not only about that Lions game, but more specifically, we're four weeks in, and just how this Packers team has either met, exceeded, or not exceeded, you know, like come below your expectations for them going into the season. Well, it's fairly on par. I thought this was a young, middling 500 team, and while we 
can't go 500 in today's NFL at 17 games. They're two and two, and it's kind of on on course. You know, they flash some talent. They flash some frustration. Um, I think, you know, it's a little bit of reflecting on those first three games. The Bears, Falcons, Saints aren't entirely your NFL powerhouses and contenders. So those are the teams you need to beat and look competitive against. But looking ahead, you have the Raiders, Broncos, Steelers. They aren't your powerhouses either. So this is just the nature of the NFL, and you don't get to set the schedule. If you have a couple teams that are middling like you, beat them and give them a game. And I think that's what we're going to see from the Packers throughout. They're going to have some fourth quarter highs. They're going to have some fourth quarter, you know, defeats as well. I think this is what you're going to get with a young team trying to find their course and see what they have. And I think that's kind of the definition of the rebuild and the, you know, retooling, the restocking um, of a young team. So I don't know if they had Super Bowl aspirations, but just trying to figure out what they have with these young guys moving forward is what 2023 is all about. So we've seen it in flashes and that's what we expect. No, I, I'm right there with you. And I think even more so because so many of the, of the veterans and the guys that you were expecting to maybe pull this team along a little bit and still be competitive have been out and injured from David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Jair Alexander, De, you know, Devondre Campbell, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson. Like I've been saying all week, we, I don't even think we've seen this real Packers team. Well, we may never see it because Bakhtiari probably gone the rest of the season. So it's unfortunate that we may never see this team at its full capacity just to see what they could do. Uh, but I think when you take that young youngest team in the NFL combined with some really rough injuries to some key players, I think this is what we always expected. And it's tough for me to be too hard on a team that's two and two. I know most people I think are frustrated with a defense that is basically, I think a lot of the same stuff that we've seen over the past couple of years, some of the same deficiencies, not being able to stop the run. So I understand the frustrations there, but I think overall net total, it's almost exactly what we expected. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, the, obviously, the next question then is of all of the evaluation, the retooling, the refreshing, everything, 1A on that list is Jordan Love. And how he plays as a quarterback, and if you can determine if he's your franchise guy, the guy that you want to sign to a long-term extension, that is 1A on the entire list of what Green Bay is trying to accomplish this year. So still early, four games, a little bit of a disjointed four games. Some of those injuries play a part in that. Also, they just haven't had a ton of snaps in a lot of these games. But your impression of Jordan Love through four starts in 2023? You know, again, as expected, the highs, the lows. I've been very impressed with his poise and his calmness, uh, you know, both between the downs and off the field. I don't think he's a particularly animated, emotional, fiery type of leader. But I've really liked his poise in this, you know, young season thus far. And he really has to be that calm leader for a young team around him. You know, he isn't. The, you know, he doesn't have these veterans around to lean on him or maybe to chew him out if he misses a read or anything like that. He needs to be that breath of fresh air for the young people around him while he's trying to navigate and learn his own, you know, his play as well. But, you know, his accuracy does need to improve. Um, and that's also part of young offensive line, young weapons around him, you know, just getting on the same page and communicating with these young pieces that are, you know, seemingly up and down the roster. But, um, I think he's looked better than expected, in my opinion. But also, there's some scheme questions and how he's being used. You know, I thought there was going to be some more easy, schemed open, manufactured throws for the young quarterback. The RPO game is kind of dying as this new regime moves in, at least on the field regime. Um, and I just thought there'd be some easier offense for a young quarterback. With that being said, he's made some big time throws and some difficult throws for a young player. So while I'm a little disappointed in the 
you know, the tooling around him and the scheme around him and what he's been asked to do, he's looked impressive, uh, in my opinion. So there's a lot to take away. There's a lot to improve on. And I think that's what you're going to get from a first year starter. There's a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Can you see through those and kind of have an evaluation moving forward? It's a young season, a lot of games left. So I'm excited to see, you know, if he can level out his play and show us some consistency. And for this week coming up, I know all of these guys played uh, last week, but certainly Christian Watson and Aaron Jones were on on snap counts and uh, Jones didn't get his first touch until it was 24 to three in favor of uh, uh, the uh, Lions in that game. This should be the first time where we get to see Green Bay with Watson and Dobbs and Reed and Musgrave and Jones and that entire complement of weapons. So hopefully there is a little bit more of that schemed up stuff. Maybe we do see a little bit more of the RPO. We, we need to see something different from the running game. And maybe that's just getting Aaron Jones more involved because he can make something out of nothing more often than not. But I don't think love and this team and this offense can survive with not being able to run the football in any capacity and doesn't do anyone good just to run into a wall and run for the sake of running. But at the same time, man, this is not prime Aaron Rodgers where you can just throw every single down and and be okay. Uh, This is going to have to be something different moving forward. And even that prime Aaron Rodgers of throwing 40, 50 times a game that dried up in 17, 18, that didn't really yield efficient results when they had to go to it in the LaFleur era. He was at his best and the offense were at their best when they were in the LaFleur machine of running the ball, using manipulation, opening up RPO and play action windows, taking your shots when you, you know, you took those opportunities. And it was a really a machine and a marriage of scheme and talent. Just not seeing that marriage at the moment right now. I think LaFleur is trying to still find his course with this young team and find an identity both on and off the field. And I think that's my takeaway from a lot of this offense in the first four games is what is the identity of this team? And I think we're going to kind of learn it and navigate it, you know, as the season progresses. And something we've talked about quite a bit as well is just figuring out who they are both on offense and on defense. And I, I think I'm really interested to see how he plays in this one. I thought last the, the last game, uh, especially early in that game against the Lions, was one of the first times I thought that, you know, there were times where he had maybe an initial read or had options to get to. Again, this is mostly early in the game where he didn't always get to them. And I was so impressed with him through training camp preseason and even through the majority of those first three games. It wasn't always accurate. There was things that he still needed to work on but he had this consistency of knowing where to go with the football. I think the first three weeks where he had really impressive pass protection and really wasn't pressured and they gave him time. I think almost like there there were times in this Lions game where he had a first read and then he would kind of go to his next one, maybe hoping that and thinking he was going to have the time. And then all of a sudden the Lions were just wrecking the Packers offensive line and he would be sacked or sacked or incomplete. and, and, And like, I think it took him a little bit to adjust I'm interested to see how he kind of bounces back and maybe recalibrates that shot clock a little bit to be like, all right, let me get the ball out of my hands, find my playmakers, let them do the heavy lifting and kind of get back to what I was doing in the preseason in those first few games. Yeah. And I think when you have such a young team around them, the scheme is that much more emphasizing. You don't have an offensive line. You could just say, beat the guys in front of you or receivers that you can consistently trust to separate in isolation routes. The scheme needs to help them get their job done and help a young quarterback you know, move the ball down the field. Offense doesn't have to be so hard. So every time you see a holy crap throw by Jordan Love, remember it's nice, but let's not get in the business of having to make those all the time because we know this is tough business in the NFL. So you got to have to help them out with scheme. The marriage of talent and scheme is the right recipe in the NFL, whether you're the Dolphins, Andy Reid and the Chiefs, 
the Packers, you know, in the previous years. You got to have talent, you got to have scheme, and you got to use them together. Well said. I know you are a Packers guy. I know you're an NFL guy, but I know you're also very much an NFL draft guy. And it's always fun to sort of unpack these players and draft picks when they first happen. Uh, But it's also interesting to sort of see their career arcs as they progress. We are still extremely early in. It's only four games, but uh, this Packers draft class has been okay. Uh, I I think, you know, you see some flashes out of Luke Musgrave. Jaden Reed's had a couple touchdowns and a couple really nice games already. You see some rotational play from Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. Lucas Van Ness, you know, a little bit inconsistent. You can see the rawness there. You can see that he'll get blocked by a tight end from time to time. He'll also make a play here and there. Carrington Valentine's gotten on the field. Anders Carlson's been the most consistent player in Green Bay, which is shocking after uh, his super inconsistent training camp and preseason. Dontavian Wicks has got on the field. Just your overall uh, overarching thoughts on this draft class through the first month. You know, I think outside of the first round pick and Lucas Van Ness, where your expectations are so high for those players that come on and look the part right away and just show us a flash of something brilliant that, you know, kind of justifies the pick. That's a kind of a different exception, but the rest of the class have flashed like we needed them to. I think they all have shown what they can bring to this team or an NFL roster in general, as far as a presence and a playmaking ability, you know, from all those guys you had listed. So, you know, I'm really impressed with Reed and Wicks and even to see a guy like Malik Keith get on the field and Musgrave has been open despite not having that connection with the quarterback just yet. The young interior defensive lineman I like have been getting on the field. In fact, you know, Carl Brooks is getting third down snaps over Kenny Clark sometimes. So this guy has an ability. He can get after the quarterback. So I love that they are starting to carve out what they can provide uh, for this team. Van Ness has been the kind of the caveat, as I heard it in your voice as well. You just want a little bit more from him. You just want a little more oomph uh, or, you know, something to hang your hat on to say, is he going to be a freak of strength, a freak of athleticism, a freak of effort? You know, something, show us something to kind of justify that. But we all know the developmental arc is different for everybody. He's a very young player with an exciting tool set. They have edge rushers on this team with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and Anabari is a really nice young player. They don't need him to come right in and be a game wrecker. So I think they're moving along a little slowly and that's okay. So just remember, everyone's arc is different. Not everybody comes right on the field and turns into Micah Parsons. So that skews our expectations just a little bit, but certainly Van Ness, the dials kind of got to get turned up here as we're hitting the midway point. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
So you guys really need to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Pizza is the ultimate game day food. There is no question about it. If there's one thing that rivals my love for the Green Bay Packers and my love of football, it's my love of pizza. And right now you can actually order online during their pizza pizza pregame. It's one hour before NFL games and you can get ready for football, fun, choose your favorite little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings that you crave. Me, this is going to sound weird. I know because you know uh, my pickiness with food. I love mushroom and onion. That is my absolute favorite pizza. I know it's probably not everyone else's. And of course, you know you love my food takes, but I love mushroom and onion pizza. I love it from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning... Everyone's going to score with convenient delivery. They also have their in-store pizza portal, so you can pick up, you can grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Trust me, you're going to love it. And and if I have to recommend one thing for sure, have to get the crazy bread. The crazy bread is an absolute must. Enjoy it, enjoy your game day, and enjoy it more with Little Caesars. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, and as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately and I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle-free and just super, super simple. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means... It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I will say, though, it has been since 2018 with Jair Alexander where the Packers have had that first-round pick where you just immediately see some of that success. And that is, yes, it's it's hard to be Micah Parsons from day one, but it, sometimes it's nice just to be like, oh, yeah, that guy's really, really good from day one. Obviously, Jordan took time to develop. Rashawn Gary took time to develop. Stokes is still an unknown. Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Lucas Van Ness. Like, these have been a little bit more project players, which we know is Green Bay's M.O., 
every once in a while it would be nice to just see that first round pick flash on day one and just kind of set it and forget it. I do think he's going to be a good player. He's young. Would not surprise me if he had a similar trajectory to that of Rashawn Gary. It's nice that he's got that player right in front of him to watch and see how he wins on a down-to-down basis. But yeah, it would be nice just every once in a while to get that first round pick. That's just like, yeah, that guy's amazing from day There's one. There's some teams that seem to like get caught in that, like Cincinnati, whether it was Jonah Williams or William Jackson or Dax Hill last year, it just seems like they can't get that first round pick on the field you know, in year one. And that was a big Mike Zimmer thing to kind of let the young guys sit seemingly bled into the next Luana Ruma regime in Cincinnati. And the Packers have that too, where it's just like those early picks just don't get on right away and just don't flash right away. Like your expectation. In the league, but they eventually pan out and we've seen, you know, the second round picks and Jordy's and Devante's turn into superstars. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that first guy off the board either. That turns into your, uh, you know, playmaking presence well said it's a draft as a whole that includes your undrafted free agents and i frankly don't care if luke musgrave and Jaden reed and carl brooks end up being the top three guys from this class and they're all really freaking good and you know lucas van ness is a disappointment all right if you've got three really good players from the class i don't really care where you found them that's a that's a really good draft class more often than not um the next one that's been discussed ad nauseum all throughout the week has been the packers inability to run the ball and their inability to stop the run I know uh, you, amongst many others, uh, you know, we love the comments, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's or X's and O's. So wanted to ask you, uh, the, you know, public enemy number one in Green Bay still seems to be Joe Barry. It, for you on both sides of the ball, I know it's two separate questions, but is this more of a X's and O's things? Is it more of a Jimmy's and Joe's or is it a yes, all of the above? It's everything. And, you know, let's start with the offensive side of things. You know, week one, I was so impressed with their Rolodex run concepts. They threw so many different things at you. But three games after that, you start to realize they have no identity. And yeah. the LaFleur, the McVay, the Shanahan offenses are built off foundational concepts. Now, it used to be the wide zone, the stretch, and everything's built off of that. It's gotten a little more diverse in Miami and San Fran and L.A. and even in Green Bay since then. But these are foundation-based teams, and I just don't see that foundation. I don't see that identity um, where they know what their bread and butter is. They know what they can always go back to. Um, and you look at Detroit and a lot of that comes early, early in the game and early in drives, you know, first down rushing against the lions, six carries for negative two yards, first quarter carries eight week one, then six, then four, then two. So you're just not seeing that same identity and commitment to the run game. We had seen in the past, that is the foundation to this offense. And then once you're successful on the foundation, defenses allocate resources to stop it makes everything else easy in the offense from RPOs to play action to just passing in general with extra guys in the box. So I think you need to get back to that identity and figure out who you want to be, especially up front. Do you want to be the smart offensive line? Do you want to be the tough guys? Do you want to be the athletic group? I don't really know. And I think they're still trying to figure out too, as they're navigating essentially a roster nightmare here with, you know, Bakhtiari out, Elton Jenkins out. You have some inferior talent that you have to force to play into the lineup. So it's going to be like this, I think, throughout the season. Defensively, a little tough structurally. I think, you know, they're stuck in some tough fronts, some tough schemes, some young players in some key roles to kind of what we call get the front right uh, in certain situations where the defensive coordinator can't make a call, you know, with five, six seconds left on the play clock, the, the offense shifts. It's on your linebackers in your front to kind of make those gap adjustments and things on the fly. So without a Devondre Campbell, 
some veterans in there. It's a young group out there and you see it from time to time. And it takes a trained, nuanced eye to pick up on the non-adjustments. Just like how do you grade the throws a quarterback doesn't make? How do you know the adjustments the defense should be making when they don't make them? So there's a lot of things in guessing at times with what should have been done. But structurally on defense, they need to make some changes. And I think LaFleur kind of echoed that. He is, you know, expressing frustration in these press conferences. And I put up that one clip on third and one when they're still in that shell defense, that cover four that, you know, Joe Barry and Ed Donatel and some of these guys really believe in. Sometimes you have to get out of that, like LaFleur said. So I think the in-game adjustments and just the coming off of the strict scheme on defense is going to save Joe Barry's job here throughout the middle of the season. So let's see if he makes the adjustments as he has been known to in the past to listen to his players, listen to his head coach. And it's an adjustment business. So let's see if they make the changes. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I've been really you know, talking about this week too is if you're going to play that that shell defense and it's going to be some obvious run situations, maybe, maybe, maybe you can get away with it if you've got Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton on the interior and Preston Smith and either Rashawn Gary or Lucas Van Ness at edge and Campbell and Quay at linebacker. Like maybe with your best of your best guys in some of those situations, you can get away with it. But in a lot of these situations, it's Enigbare and Hollins and Carl Brooks or Colby Wooden on the interior with Isaiah McDuffie on the second level. And it's like, it's one thing if you've got your best core guys and it's a, you know, whatever it is, you know, second and two, and they might run the ball and you're still in your shell defense. Okay. Maybe you can get by with it. But when you are uh, outmanned and you don't have the guys to physically hold up at the point of attack and you're in your shell defense, it's like roll out the red carpet. They're going to get the yardage that they need. And we might say like, well, you know what, what they didn't do on that play is get an explosive. And maybe eventually they have to settle for a field goal or whatever the case may be. There's still an opportunity cost of all the time that they're bleeding off the clock, that your offense isn't on the field, that your defense is getting tired out. There's a lot of things that are really, I think, affecting. We've seen the uncomplimentary football from Green Bay and where the offense is getting these three and outs and the defense is having to go on 12, 13, 15 play defensive drives. It's going to add up through the course of the game. And we've seen that so far. Yeah, and I think you're going to continue to see it. And because of some injuries and because of some maybe poor roster decisions, my opinion, and I haven't been shy about it, I think there's some inferior talent on the field for the Packers. They are playing uphill in certain situations with certain people on the field. So I think as you continue to have that, you're going to have just some inconsistent performances and some plays you should make and some disappointments on a drive-to-drive, quarter-to-quarter basis. And I think this team is just trying to navigate their future and figure out who can we trust, who can we rely on, who gets that second contract. And this is a big year for a lot of names that are pretty familiar uh, with some Packers fans. A million percent, and I think that's super well said. Uh, Looking ahead, and maybe I should have uh, transitioned this better from one draft question to the other, but uh, that's what you get here on the Packer Day podcast. Uh, Green Bay is likely going to have three top 50-ish picks next year. They're going to have their own first. They're going to have the Jets second and then their own second, which might be a little bit outside of the the 50th. We'll see, but uh, probably three top 50 picks. Just your early thoughts, not necessarily on names, but maybe some positions that Green Bay should probably start looking to target with knowing a little bit about the draft class and what Green Bay's needs might be. Um, I Certainly offensive tackle has got to be at the top of the list, finding that future Bakhtiari. And just one caveat for Packer fans, nobody goes into the draft 
expecting to find starters on day three. Have they found starters in the past from Sitton and TJ Lang and Bakhtiari? Yes, but you don't go in expecting that. So I know that's kind of a like a bargaining chip for some Packer fans of saying, let's, we don't need to tackle early. We could find them later. Nobody goes into the draft expecting to find starters on day three. Now you hope to, certainly that's a great value. And, you know, it has happened here in the past, but it's time has come to address the backside tackle for a young quarterback um, and finding the future, you know, David Bakhtiari on that blind side. There's going to be some good options in round one. Uh, to consider, as there almost always are coming out of college. But moving forward, you know, the safety nickel position, I think, needs to get a little bit more consistent, more reliable, more playmaking ability. Um, and then looking at, you can never have too many edge rushers in this league. As Preston Smith's getting a little bit older, we'll figure out the Rashawn Gary contract situation and how the team feels about him. Would hate to see that kid hit the open market, but, you know, could happen. Um, and then, you know, interior offensive line and just adding more consistent, threatening weapons around a young quarterback. So whether that's uh, another Aaron Jones, a future Aaron Jones, a bruising running back, a wide tight end, uh, you know, a speedster on the outside, a mismatch nightmare. Again, edge rushers, you can't have too many. You can't have too many weapons on offense. So there's some I think you just want to add to the arsenal and try to just continue to improve your roster by any means necessary. But first and foremost, Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Let's keep this young quarterback upright. Let's get back to the run game. That is the foundation of this offense. Yeah, I like that. Follow the the Philadelphia Eagles. Keep building around the trenches. Doesn't matter if you've got a Fletcher Cox and uh, like they just keep adding players to that line every single year, and it pays off far more often than not. Uh, so I'm with you there. And uh, the three that you mentioned that have stood out to me too. Offensive line, uh, as you mentioned <laughs> perfectly, uh, not only do they probably need some more play, you know, players in general, but Bakhtiari very well may have you know played his last down in Green Bay. John Runyon Jr., free agent. Josh Myers, you're not exactly sure what you have. Yash Nyman's a free agent. So they're going to need some pieces there unquestionably. Safety, the only two safeties under contract next year are Anthony Johnson Jr., who is basically redshirting this season, and Zane Anderson, who they picked up off of waivers, was in active week one and then has been hurt ever since. So they definitely need some bodies there. And then running back, A.J. Dillon's a free agent, and I don't think you're probably wanting to continue that just based on what we've seen so far this season. You're not making any draft decisions based on Emmanuel Wilson. And Aaron Jones, even if he is back, he's entering that stage of his career where it's time to find probably another explosive playmaking back one way or the other. So those are the three that stand out. Hopefully they can marry that with some of their top 50 picks and find some really good talent that I think they're going to need. Uh, and one caveat, lose. Andy, I'm just going to yeah. make a prediction here as we sit early October. I bet Green Bay is a huge player in free agency coming up this offseason. Yeah, I think so. Too. Don't really have a lot of evidence to point to it, but I just have a hunch they're going to be a little bit more active and aggressive than we have seen maybe over the past five or 10 years. Maybe not, uh, you know, getting the top flight A plus guys, but also not settling for those bargain shopping B minus C players as well. So I think they're going to be a little more aggressive and try to alleviate some pressure around draft time by addressing some of those major needs in free agency, whether that's the safety, the nickel, an edge rusher, a tackle, and maybe adding a little bit more reliable veteran presence. You know what you're getting to put around young players as opposed to another unpredictable young player coming out of the draft. I just think this Packers team really had a dysfunctional offseason with the money situation with Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers, not really being players in free agency because of that. 
I think they're going to rubber band back with authority come in the spring. They're, they're going to have some challenges still from a salary cap standpoint. They're certainly going to be in a much better place than they were this past off season. But I agree with you mostly because I, even if they need to borrow a little bit from the future, which I, I did, don't necessarily want them to do at this point, but when you, let's just say they go seven and 10 this season or something like that, the, the temperature on the floor in Goody will start to uh, increase a little bit with some of that stuff. And if that is the case, they'll feel that and they're going to want to add some pieces to make sure that this team is even more competitive with Jordan Love at quarterback. And they know, I think both of them would know if we just go three top 50 picks and set it and forget it, we're good to go. That's probably not going to be good enough, especially when you're going to have to probably move on from some veterans like a David Bakhtiari, like a Preston Smith, potentially a Devondre Campbell. There could be some other names on there as well. They're going to need some reinforcements. And I think even like you said, if it's the B and C tier free agents, even to just add some veteran leadership to this team, I think they're going to do it. I think they might have to do it. That's the running joke in the NFL of these rebuilds is I hope the regime is around for the end of it. You know, can yeah. you get to the end of the rebuild? Uh, obviously time is ticking in today's NFL time is money. A lot of teams and front offices and ownership groups aren't very patient for rebuilds. So they want those results almost in a calendar year. If you kind of have that down season. So we'll see if this regime can make some moves uh, with authority and save themselves. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Uh, before we get you out of here, some quick thoughts on uh, Packers Raiders Monday Night Football. You know, again, kind of hanging on those first three games of the season. You know, the Bears, the Falcons, the Saints, the Raiders are right in that mix. It's not a great team. They're not a, really a competitive team or a playoff team, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a close game. Packers eventually win. And again, it's going to be a tough game to assess where this Packers team stands after it. I think they're going to beat up on a kind of a middling NFL team again, uh, just like those first three weeks. And we're going to be left here kind of deciding are they for real or not. So they're going to get this throughout the season. And um, I really expect this team to finish eight and nine, nine and eight. And they're going to left, be left here battling tons of analysts and critics one way or the other saying this team needs to tear it all down or this team really has something. Uh, and I think that's going to be the dysfunction of a 500 team. So I think they go in and kind of uh, – give the Raiders a tough game, get the win and the Devontae Adams uh, revenge game as they're calling it. Um, and let's see if we could keep Max Crosby at bay and off Jordan Love's back. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think those two are going to be the keys to this game, obviously, as it is for every Raiders game. Those two can break you. And if you let them, they will. And if you can somehow find a way to contain them, you're in pretty good shape. It's the, the next, like, Green Bay has like stretches of games coming up that are going to be super interesting to me. This stretch of Raiders, Broncos, Vikings, Rams, Steelers. Those five are mostly against winnable opponents, especially when, you know, Rams are at home, Vikings are at home, Steelers on the road. We'll see what they are at that point. But those five games seem very winnable. Now, every one of those five teams is looking at Green Bay and feeling like, hey, that feels winnable. So right. that's going to be the first five stretch. And then you've got a stretch of Chargers at home at Detroit, Kansas City at home. That looks extremely tough and a potential 0-3 stretch. We'll see what Green Bay does with those. And then you've got another five-game stretch of Giants. And Buccaneers have been better, but Giants, Buccaneers, Panthers, Vikings, Bears at the end of the year. And to me, if you can stick around 500 for that last stretch of especially like five games, Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Bears, you give yourself a chance to maybe sneak into the playoffs. But that three-game stretch in the middle of that's going to be extremely tough. And my one last kind of footnote after last Thursday, a week away, that is a good Lions football team. That is not your, you know, your father's Lions. So as much as we know the Lions come into town on short weeks and you just 
expect to beat the Lions, that is not the same Lions football team. They will come in and steamroll through some teams that aren't ready, and they will do it with ease and with a smile on their face. I know Dan Campbell's personality. So I know it stings the Packers fans to take that loss at home. Remember, that's a good football team. And I know they had high expectations coming in this offseason. They beat the Chiefs in week one. I know no Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, everybody pointed to that. That's a good football team out there. So just remember, when you see those lines again later in the season, you better come to play. And it wasn't a fluke in week 17 or 18 last season of them keeping the Packers out of the playoffs. That team comes to play every week. They are ready to go, whether it's home, away, cold weather, warm weather. They have a formula that works, and they're fun to watch. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, uh, marriage of talent and scheme, and they have that right now in Detroit. I feel like I'm in the upside down, seeing the Detroit Lions, top of the division, and really what other teams are aspiring to. Their first four draft picks are all contributing, Gibbs and uh, Campbell, uh, Laporta and Branch. Like They're all playing pretty darn good football. They went and got guys that were from big colleges that were ready to play right away, maybe at some non-premium, sexy positions, but I don't think anyone's too upset about that I mean, in Brad Detroit. Brad Holmes went in there his first week on the job. He traded to Matt Stafford to the team he just left. You yeah. know, So he was digging himself a hole and to see all these draft picks kind of come to fruition, and this team has some success. And Jared Goff written off. It's a fun story if you're a football purist and can appreciate that. But I know we have some passionate Packer fans out there that just can't stand, uh, you know, that that blue and silver team, uh, you know, ahead of the Packers in the north there. So the Packers will rebound back. But this Lions team is a good football team. So give them credit where it's due. It definitely feels weird. I think most Packer fans would say at least it's not the Vikings or Bears, and uh, those teams are certainly taking their lumps right now. So I think right. it's uh, it's mostly okay, but I think everyone obviously wants to see Green Bay back on top, and like you said, it'll happen eventually. Ben, amazing stuff as always. I know you got a plane to catch. I'll let you get out of here. Before we do, where can we follow you on social, and uh, what are you going to be doing this weekend, and anything else you're working on? Yeah, I'm off to Pittsburgh right now for Ravens Steelers, 1 o'clock CBS. Got a fun game out there. We'll see if uh... – this Ravens team is a, one of the best stories in the NFL, in my opinion. They're three and one, absolutely decimated by injury. Lamar Jackson playing out of his mind last week. I was so impressed to see him beat that tough Cleveland defense. Miles Garrett, and they've been playing extremely well. Um, Steelers team, obviously trying to navigate themselves with a young quarterback and a young roster. Got to get those young guys on the field. But then turn around and uh, back out to Thursday night next week in Kansas City, and this crazy train rolls on. So. Be sure to follow me at Ben Fennel underscore NFL on Twitter for all my hijinks and film watching stuff. And uh, I think you guys know the routine at this point, but uh, I'm a little tired at this point. But Andy, I'm going from a football game to a football game. Life could be so much worse. This isn't the assembly line. This isn't the coal mines. I'll be okay with a little sleep here and there. So off to Pittsburgh in about 20 minutes. um, And then we'll do it all again next week. Ben, you're the absolute best. Thanks so much for taking some time. Always appreciate it. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That does it for us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go.